The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Friday, brother from another. We are back. I'm excited. I'm excited to see you. I'm excited to spend time with you. No matter where you are, whether you're watching on Peacock TV, watching on YouTube, checking us out via your favorite podcast, or listening on Sirius, Sirius XM Channel 85, which you know is what? Go ahead and say it. 35 spots down from the groove. Don't turn right now. Just later, after our show is over. And the show, man, we got a lot lined up for you today, starting with, uh, off the top, in a couple of minutes, we'll talk with Burt Breer. I call him Burt. For the government, he's Albert Breer. For the government. For me, he's just Burt. Ohio State fan, smart guy. But one of the best NFL insiders in the country. We'll talk with him. We'll also talk with Dr. Jason Johnson. I have been intentionally waiting to talk about Black Panther 2 Wakanda forever on the show because I want to talk about it with Doc Johnson talk Black Panther with him talk midterms with him and see if he is ready to go back into the water after Natalie got him the last time he was here one of the last times he was here also speaking of Natalie you know what we're going to do today you know what we're going to do the comment section the comment section makes its triumphant return and of course, you know, I'm passionate, especially going into the weekend. I'm passionate about putting a little extra money into your pocket. So my bets, your money last week. Ooh, I averted a disaster. Start off. 0 and three. I thought it was going to be one of those. 0 and five weeks It's coming. By the way, I'm going to say right now. I will have an 0 and five week. Not coming this week though. Last week, start off. 0 and three finished strong at two and three this week. I'm feeling uh, it hasn't been a fast week. So I'm feeling Four and one. I'm feeling four and one this week. We'll get to that later. But first, I, you know, I want to talk to you guys about something. And I wonder uh, for the parents out there, for the parents, have you ever found yourself saying to your child, you know, if you had done the right thing initially, we wouldn't be in this situation. Oh, you too. Oh, you said it too. Okay, let's talk. Yeah, you know, you know, you have. If you had just done the right thing, we wouldn't have to do all this stuff. We wouldn't have to put in all these uh, parameters and clauses and qualifiers. All you got to do is the right thing. Be straightforward, be efficient, get to the point, and we don't have any problems. And I feel like that's what I want to say to the NFL. And more specifically, that's what the Fritz Pollard Alliance is saying to the NFL in the absence of any now clear solutions when it comes to hiring head coaches. There are no clear solutions now. Fritz Pollard Alliance is, is looking into the hiring of Jeff Saturday to see if the proper protocols were followed. And I think what the uh, Alliance will find is that the protocols were followed only because the NFL hasn't thought it through whether lacking conscience or imagination or somewhere in between hasn't thought it through. Hey, we have something called the Rooney rule. But if somebody hires an interim coach in the middle of the season, the Rooney rule doesn't apply. Therefore, whether they want to or not, a loophole has been created. I'm not saying Jim Irsay did this. 
But if he wanted to, or Jim Mercer or anybody else wanted to, let's say they got a coach you don't like, say like Matt Rule in Carolina. You know, it happened uh, in Carolina, hired an African-American Steve Wilkes. But let's say you don't like Matt Rule or anybody else, and you uh, start a season knowing you're going to fire him. Two, three games in, get out Matt Rule, bring in a Sean Payton. Just for example, you can do it and bypass the Rooney rule. So the Fritz Pollard Alliance is the watchdog in a land where there are no other watchdogs because we know the NFL owners do not police themselves. And if they are policing themselves, uh, they need more beat cops on the streets because they're not doing a very good job. And I go back to my point, the parental point. If you had done the right thing in the first place, we wouldn't be in this situation because the Fritz Pollard Alliance, for those who don't know, is named after the first black man to coach in the NFL. You know the last year he coached? Fritz Pollard? 1926. Yes. So from 1926 to 1989, the NFL had zero black head coaches. So if you hadn't gone 63 years <laughs> without hiring a black coach, we might trust you. We might think we might give you credit for doing the right thing. So even uh, though even though you had that, you know, 63 year gap. Okay, maybe gave you a little bit of, pa of, of a pass. The Rooney rule comes into effect. Hey, there's a Rooney rule. We think you'll follow it. You haven't followed it. And now here we are in a Saturday situation now and I say there are no easy solutions. And I'll make this point and we'll uh, we'll get into Burt Breer and talk with him and get his opinion about it. I, I say there are no easy solutions because let's play this out. Let's play this out. Jeff Saturday, I believe, with no information, it's just a hunch I have, okay? I think Jeff Saturday, no matter what he does, let's say he wins one more game so he goes two and six in his eight games or two and seven. I don't know. Yeah, eight games, nine games, whatever. No, no, he, he has eight. So he goes two and six in his eight games. I think he's going to get the job. But let's flip this around. Let's say he goes eight. No. Let's say Jeff Saturday goes eight. No. As an interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And whether it's two and six or eight. No which means he should probably have the job at eight. No, right? The job should be his. You're still going to have the Rooney rule. Well, you'll have to go through the process and everyone will know that they have no shot at the job. Am I here to offer solutions? No, because I don't know what the solutions are. I know what the solutions were way back. Solutions were, hey, follow the damn Rooney rule. Do what you're supposed to do. And you probably have a representative coaching cohort. Instead, you've messed around. You've come up with excuses. You've backdoored some people. You've dropped in some people without uh, without merit. And now you got yourself a mess. And you got the Fritz Pollard Alliance. Thank God for the Fritz Pollard Alliance. Thank God for Rod Graves, uh, the director there, for being the lone watchdog on this NFL landscape. All right, let's bring in uh, my brother from Ohio State, a true Buckeye, even though he grew up in Massachusetts, true Buckeye, <laughs> Burt Breer. And uh, Burt, let, let me ask you this, like, you know, off the top, how do you, how do you see this Colts coaching search going forward? How do you see this thing playing out? Because it is a little bit of a mess because as I pointed out, there's a loophole there that the NFL hasn't accounted for. Yeah, you know, I, I think that there's... Um... And I think the first thing you have to know is that that I, I think Jim Irsay is genuinely enamored uh, of Jeff Saturday. And um, if you look at the timeline here, he brought him on as an advisor. You know, he had him at training camp a bunch in the summer. Um, you know, he was talking to him pretty consistently. And um, then you look at the chain of events from benching Matt Ryan to then firing Marcus Brady um, in there. They actually had a reunion. Um, and, you know, for those who don't know, Tariq Glenn was – one of the great left tackles of his time, he was going into the ring of honor. So that era of Colts, all those guys were in the building. Reggie Wayne's obviously on the staff already, but Marvin Harrison was there. Edger and James was there. Peyton Manning was there. Dwight Franey was there. And so, um, you know, I think that part of this was 
Jim Irsay building up to the point where it was like, I really want to try this. And I think the reason he wanted to do it in the middle of the season was he wanted to do it without making a full commitment to it and saying, let's take this out for a test drive and, and see what it looks like before we commit to doing a four or five year deal with him to be our head coach. Uh, now, the flip side of that is what it means for the rest of the people in the building. And Michael, as you know, an NFL player doesn't care what your three-year plan is. An NFL player's career right, could end tomorrow. Right. You know, so an NFL player yep. is always going to be thinking to himself, what does this mean for me today? And if there's the prospect of the whole thing turning into a dumpster fire, that could have a material effect on his career. So that's what it means for the individual players. And then for the assistant coaches, it's the same thing. You know, your boss gets fired. Obviously, for you, your family, you don't know where you're going to be living in three months. And so there's a lot on the line for a lot of people here that ties back to this experiment. And that's where I think that there was a lot of the concern over what this was going to look like and how it was going to play out. Um, you know, I, I think Jim Irsay is rooting for or Jim Irsay is rooting for this to work. I think he'd like to hire Jeff Saturday as his full-time coach. Maybe it means Peyton Manning coming back into the organization next year. Um, you know, but either way, I think he'd like to see this work. And um, he'd like to see Jim Jeff Saturday get the sort of response um, from the rest of the coaching staff, from the players that he got that first week through the rest of the year. And we'll see whether or not it works out. But certainly there are a lot of eyebrows raised over this. There's no question about it. And I think it's totally fair. You know, it's going to be a fascinating experiment because we've seen this sort of thing work in baseball and basketball before. I think there's always been a perception like football, being a head coach in football is too complicated for it to work. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. But I, I can certainly understand where if you're a guy who's put 15, 20, 25 years into your career and yeah. climbing the ladder, five. to see something like this is like Lucy taking the football away, you know? Right. Yeah, it really is. And and I've, I've talked with African-American coaches about this before. Going into job, what do you do when you go into a job situation knowing that the job is going to somewhere, someone else? Yeah. And most of the time, those coaches say, I, I go anyway because that experience that experience is good for me i'll use it as an opportunity to grow uh as a coach as an interviewer just to see how another organization runs get my get my name and face in front of this owner mm -hmm. face to face which is having and your name in a cycle you know what i mean like i mean yeah. i think a lot of those well, guys one guy who didn't do like, that though once my once my name you know is who didn't circulated. do it huh yeah huh go ahead one guy didn't do that his name is brian flores brian flores stopped oh. it. Mm -hmm. He stopped a different kind of cycle, right? And, and and let's see, let's see what happens with him. I mean, I now thank God. And is it is it coincidence? Not really that the Steelers hired him because I don't. If he's not hired by the Steelers, I'm wondering if he's got an assistant coaching job anywhere right. in the NFL. Uh, the 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 kind of the, the the franchise that really promoted. And set the foundations for what the Rooney Rules should be, should have yep. been. They bring in Brian Flores, and so will he be in the cycle? Will he be up for another head coaching job, or will other franchises look at him and say, "Nope"? nope I think it's gonna be hard for him. I think it's gonna be hard for him. Yep. Like I do, because I just think, like I, I think what's gonna happen, Michael, and like look, like one of the things that's gonna be interesting about this hiring cycle, if you look at it. The qualified names are all on defense. They really are. Like, if you want to look at the names that have been, you know, circulated before that, like, are guys who are really well-respected, because there's been such a, like, a heavy emphasis on hiring offensive coaches over the last few years, you're sort of scratching a little bit. For offensive coaches like Shane Steichen in Philly and Ken Dorsey in Buffalo, and then you look at the names on the defensive side, right? And I can run through them. Dan Quinn, Raheem Morris. Jonathan Gannon, D'Amico Ryans, Patrick Graham, um, you know, Ejiro Evero has done a great job his first year there um, in Denver. Um, Wink Martindale in New York. So I think the part of the problem that Flores is going to face, and, and this sucks because I think he's a really good coach, but part of the problem he's going to face is it's like, is Brian Flores that much better? A high, would he be that much better a higher than D'Amico Ryans or Jonathan Gannon from Philly? Or like, because there are too many guys now like that are in that, that that there is a backlog of defensive coaches. And so I I think too often what happens in these situations is the same thing that happens with players. You know what I mean? Like if there's anything extra you're bringing with you, it's like, no, I'll take the guy, I'll take the guy over here where, you know, I'm not going to have to go through some of that. And again, that's unfortunate because I think what Flores is doing 
is really important. You know what I mean? But I've seen right. it too often in all my years covering the league where it's just if all things are equal, teams more often than not are going to take the path of least resistance. Bert, will one of those head coaching jobs be available in Las Vegas or is, is Mark Davis going to say, nope, not paying John Gruden and Josh McDaniels yeah. not the coach? I don't think it's about money, Michael. Like, I, I think he really does genuinely want to give him some runway. Now, that doesn't mean he's not responsible for what's happened. And I think the biggest mistake that they've made, him and Dave Ziegler there, is probably misjudging the roster. You know, like, I I think that they felt like they were close. And and if you look at it, like, their strategy was almost identical to what the Vikings did. You know, with a new general manager in Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, a new head coach in Kevin O'Connell, um, you know, Minnesota, the same way Vegas did, doubled down on their core and said, this isn't broken. And the Vikings did it by paying some guys who were who were already there and really investing in some guys who were already there. The the the, the Raiders did it by bringing in a couple thirty somethings and and Devonte Adams and Chandler Jones who are great players, but you're not signing those guys because you think you're going to be good two years from now. You're signing those guys because you think you're ready to win right now. And so you know I I think that they felt like we can win with our offense. Like Josh thought like as an offensive coach with Derek Carr and with you know, Devonte Adams and Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller um, and J- Josh Jacobs, like he could score enough where they could mask some of their flaws on defense and really highlight those pass rushers and win games. And, you know, unfortunately for them, I think they misjudged a few different things in that roster. And now it's going to take a little bit more time to dig themselves out of it. I think Mark Davis is going to give them that time. Um, and I think that's a fair thing to do if you're Mark Davis, if you're looking for stability in your organization. Um, you know, but I, I certainly think you, that you have to hold the guys who went in there accountable for, at the very least, maybe misjudging where the roster was. You know, le- the, the next to last question I have for you, uh, I was going to ask you about the entire NFC East, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to focus on Philadelphia <laughs> because I want to know what Howie Roseman is doing the salary cap just keeps expand, expanding for him. Keeps expanding. <laughs> uh, he keeps adding dra- draft picks. He's got plenty of draft picks. He's got a whole vault of draft picks for now, for the future, five yeah. years, like whatever. They just picked Indomitian and Sue. So they just pick up mm-hmm. and Sue. And I was talking to an uh, Eagles fan last night. And, and, and he says, you know, Indomitian Sue really hasn't missed games in his career. Yeah. Uh, the guy's in his mid thirties. He doesn't miss games. If he's not suspended, he's not missing the game. Mm-hmm. And last year he started 17 games for the bucks and he's just yeah. hanging around. So uh, one, just Philadelphia, the way they're maneuvering the roster in two, does Indomitian Sue have anything left? Yeah, I think he does. You know, I, I think, you know, especially on passing downs, he can bring a little value there. Obviously Jordan Davis got hurt. So um, you know, they've got something to replace there. Linval Joseph bringing him into, I think, is sort of the run component, you know, like where you get the run stuffer and you get the pass rusher there. You're getting both sides of those two guys. And look, like, I think we have to give Howie credit, like tremendous, tremendous asset management. And, you know, and we're seeing that with some of the guys who are a little bit more, and I hate using the catch-all term analytics, you know, but you see like the asset management in Cleveland with Andrew Barry and the asset management in Minnesota with Quasi, you know, in his first year there. And those guys who come up on that side just have a really good grasp on how to handle draft picks, how to handle cap space and leave themselves these sort this sort of room to do these things later in the year. And so, you know, I think that that's, this is sort of the lesson you can take is like your, your, your roster can be, you know, a thing that evolves over 365 days and how he really has put them put the team in position to do that because they've got a lot of guys in their roster on rookie contracts who are draft picks. They've got a lot of draft picks coming up. So if a guy's going to walk, you've got the capacity to 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 replace him. Um, having those draft picks also allows you to leave guys, let guys leave, which brings comp draft, compensatory draft picks. Um, you know, and all of that kind of gives you more breathing room under the salary cap. And then I mean, look, like, let's call this what it is. Having a quarterback at less than, what, less than a couple million dollars a year is, I mean, like gold in the NFL if a guy's playing the way Jalen Hurts has played. So, you know, I think it's it's a combination of the same strengths that they had when they won the Super Bowl, which was strength along the lines of scrimmage. And if you look, like you see Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox and Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey, those are guys 
who have been in the league for over 10 years as foundation pieces on the lines of scrimmage. They've got good young players on the lines of scrimmage as well. And then they build out from there, having the sort of flexibility because of the asset management um, that Howie Roseman has maintained there. So I just think that they're in a tremendous spot going forward. If you think that Jalen Hurts is going to continue to evolve the way that he's evolved his first three years in the league. All right, Bert, last thing. (laughs) sorry 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 america but shout out ohio uh we're about a week away a week from tomorrow a week from tomorrow the moment's gonna happen uh let's talk our trash because everybody i run into from michigan who has uh no connection to michigan state that's that's friendly that's friendly territory michigan state Hey, we got the same enemy. We're cool. We're cool with Sparty. I'm cool with, I'm cool Sparty with Michigan. Giving... I, I've always told people. I've always Sparty's told people got... this. Michigan Sparty is has in given the us Midwest. a heartbreak, though. Michigan is Michigan is in the Midwest. Michigan isn't of the Midwest. Like Ohio right. State is of right. the Midwest. Right. Like Michigan might as well be on right. Long Island. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so so Sparty is Sparty has given us a couple of stingers uh, at the horseshoe too. Uh, really has has spoiled some seasons for us, but so. They're still friendly yeah. though. We don't we don't hate Sparty. A week from Saturday, it finally happens because everybody I meet from Michigan, they just keep talking and talking as if they got like a five or six game winning streak. I know. Against the Buckeyes. I, I had a so I had a problem. I really I don't I don't want any sportsmanship. I don't want sportsmanship a week from Saturday. I want to be you are you familiar are you familiar with the quote because we couldn't go for three? Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> yes. Yes. So for people who don't know, this is the 1968 game, which is a famous game before I was born. I think before you were born too, Michael. Woody, before I was born. Uh, but Woody Hayes, the Ohio State had, a, had a, won a national championship and had a group of sophomores that was, I mean, considered maybe one of the greatest classes in school history. And they win the national championship that year. They go up 48 to 14 on Michigan. They go for two and win win fifty to fourteen. And Woody's asked after the game, "Why'd you go for two? And his answer was, "Because I couldn't go for three. I mean, I'm saying, like y'all, <laughs> y'all don't understand. Like, it, it, there's been so much talked about here, so much, uh, you know, written and and uh, you know, documentaries. But Woody was serious; would not buy gas in Michigan. <laughs> he pushed his car across the board. There was a story about him. Like, try to get to Toledo. Let me try to get yeah. to Toledo. <laughs> <laughs> so that school up north, that's where it all started. So look, I, I'm looking forward to it. A week for, we're staying focused. We're going to yep. stay somewhat humble. I can't wait to talk about it. Hey, Michigan, you know what? Ohio you know, State, you know, a week from You tomorrow. know what the difference is? You know the difference is when we return to third base, we've actually got a chance of getting home. That's the difference between us and them. <laughs> We're obnoxious. I love it, Bert. <laughs> Good to see you. And, and look, right. if they lose, we got to come back on. We got to come back on. We got to take the heat. We're we'll bring in. I know. Bring in Eisen. We'll bring Eisen on the show because Eisen has been chirping all year. You know what you should do about bring Eisen, about bring, 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 bring Eisen on, and then surprise him with me as a guest. Like we have the two box here. All of a sudden, just say I got something for you. Have me pop in with a third box. Okay, I like it. Right. Uh, you know, maybe regardless, win or lose. Yeah. Rich Eisen. Win or lose. Yeah. Win always lose, welcome here. We're, we're, we're sportsmen also, here, right? Yeah, that's right. Also, our brother, Rich Eisen. Brother from another. Yeah. Come on, Rich. That's right. Come on, join that's the right. show. Good to see you, Bert. All right. Good to see you, Mike. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, welcome back to the show. As soon as I saw this headline, I said, Oh, I'm so glad... We have Dr. Jason Johnson coming on tomorrow because he can put all of this in context. Nancy Pelosi, uh, we know she was the first female speaker of the House. 
says she is going to step down in her role that she has held for 20 years. Now, she'll still uh, be in the House, but just not as uh, as the speaker. And Doc Johnson, I guess I'll start right here. You know, put uh, this in context and what's next context and what's next for the Democrats. Context is the most important thing. I need everybody out there to understand that for the last 20 or so years, right, or last decade when she became speaker and everything else like that, Nancy Pelosi has been, until Kamala Harris, the highest ranking elected woman in the history of the United States. I want you to think about that. A lot of other European allies have had women as prime ministers, women as presidents. She's the highest ranking woman that we've had running this country ever until Kamala Harris mm. just got in office two years ago. So this is a very, very significant thing for someone of that level of power and that level of historical importance to step down without being pushed out. Let's be clear. Most people have to be yanked out of their jobs. Most quarter, it's like quarterbacks. You got to pull them off the field on their shield. No, Nancy Pelosi basically just had a victory. I mean, they only lost the House by a couple, which was a historic feat for a first uh, for a first term president. And she's still saying, I'm going to step down. It is an incredibly brave move. It is a very strategic move. And it shows that the, regardless of the criticism I may have had for Pelosi over the years, this is somebody who's actually a forward thinking politician. And that's impressive. So who, who's uh, who's the replacement? Who, who do you think should oh, who right should now, be the replacement? I, yeah. <laughs> what I, what I'm hearing is Hakeem Jeffries. We don't know for sure. We don't know. I mean, Tim Ryan was going to challenge Pelosi a couple years ago. Maybe Tim goes up against Hakeem Jeffries. All I know is that with Pelosi stepping down and James Clyburn stepping down and Steny Hoyer stepping down, the median age of the Democratic leadership in the House will drop from 82 years old right, down to very likely in the low 50s. And that in and of itself, usually going from the 80s to the 50s is terrible if you're talking about weather. But if you're talking about political leadership, it's actually a good thing. Well, well, Jeffries, I know, is 52, I believe. And that would be historic as well. African-American uh, would be the highest serving African-American in that role. Um, do you think just po politically, because I'm wondering if, if some of this, you said it's strategic on Pelosi's part. Is it strategic because yeah. of some of the some of the fighting that's happened within the Democratic Party? Is it, hey, I'm not the person to lead this party forward? Like, strategic in what way? Well, it's strategic in, in the first way is because now the Republicans don't have anybody they can they can beat on, right? For years, they've said, ah, Nancy Pelosi's terrible. Now, for the most part, that doesn't mean anything to your average independent voter. But now the Republicans have to reorient on who they hate. And if it's Hakeem Jeffries, they'll just say a bunch of racist stuff, right? But it, it, it forces <laughs> your enemy to find a new target when you're no longer the right. person with the flag. The second thing is, right. because the Republicans have just taken over the House with like a narrow majority, we're still counting votes at this particular point, they may only have a two to maybe five max majority in the House. They're going to be a mess. Kevin McCarthy's not going to be able to run anything. Marjorie Taylor Greene and Jim Jordan and all those crazies, you know, Matt Gates when he's not hanging out at a local high school, they're going to be the people trying to run the Republican Party, which means that Jeffries and whoever else the leadership team is, if he ends up being uh, the, the minority leader, they're going to get two years to figure out how to do the job without being immediately thrust into leadership. The bigger thing also is it's highly likely if Pelosi is stepping down as leader, she may announce sometime in 2023 that she's also not seeking re-election in 2024, which will be huge because very likely you will have a person of color, certainly a woman, stepping into her seat once she's gone. All right, now look, let's let's be honest. We all uh, we always talk about voting in midterms. You know, presidential elections, the turnout is much greater than it is in midterms for the most part. So right. we get into right. this thing where we start, uh, you know, shaming people, guilting people about, hey, you know, voting, you need to be a part of the political process. Although some people say, look, they didn't, nobody said anything that resonated with me. Nobody said anything that really touched my life. So I say all that, that lead up to this, this question. What does it mean for the everyday person mm -hmm. yeah, listening to us right now, watching us right now? What does it mean to them that Republicans have control of the House and that Democrats have control of the Senate? It means that the ability to get legislation passed 
can actually be gummed up by your opposing party, right? For the last two years, certain bits of legislation haven't gotten through because of Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin. Well, now they're less important because the Democrats have retained the Senate and very likely going to have 51 seats if Raphael Warnock ends up winning uh, his runoff in Georgia, which seems very likely because last time I heard, uh, Herschel Walker can't produce enough children who will turn 18 by election day to push him over the line. The other important thing to remember <laughs> is that the Republicans will now be able to get on television a lot more, express a lot more of their crazy, it will disappoint more voters, and lastly and I got to point this out. These midterms showed a ridiculous level of turnout from Gen Z. Shout out to my students at Morgan State, many of whom voted after I brought in somebody to register them. Young people all over the country were the largest percentage of the turnout in places like Michigan and Arizona and California than we've seen in like 50 years. So it says, if you want to make fun of voting, you just got embarrassed by a bunch of teenagers who decided that their future is a lot more important than grumpy adults on TV. Mm. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love when uh, when young people <laughs> defy all the cliches and all the, the lazy narratives about all oh, these these kids. Anytime you start a sentence with, well, you know, these right. kids are never if they're not, especially if they're not your own kids. Now, if they're your own kids. Yes, start exactly. a sentence that way. <laughs> but if it just happened to be, you know, 30, 40 years younger than you, you start talking like that. Okay, tune you out. Now, Doc, I'm not saying this conversation has not been fun. But I have intentionally oh, yes. not talked about Black Panther this week. I've intentionally, I love you, know you're a brilliant writer. I, I haven't read anything that you may have written. I haven't listened to anything that you may have said on it. So I want it fresh. Here we go. You saw it, I saw it. What did you think? Mr. Holly, I've seen it twice. I saw it last week. I saw it again this week with a friend of mine who hadn't seen it before. I have said nothing. This is a brother from another exclusive. I have said nothing oh, on here. Twitter, Instagram. I've said All nothing right. publicly about Wakanda forever. Right. I just want everybody to know this. This is exclusive, okay? Fresh. Um, Fresh. I thought the movie was more necessary than entertaining. Once they decided that they were not going to recast Chadwick Boseman, uh, his character as T'Challa, and I understand why I've talked to a lot of people on the inside as to why that made the most sense for the creative process. It was about the best movie that you could come up with. Letitia Wright was a lot better as the lead than I expected her to be, but the action was really, really flat. I didn't have any of those scenes that resonated with me the way that the, 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 the fights on Warrior Falls in the first movie did. I don't understand, even though I like the Ironheart character, I don't see why she had any point once Namor basically said, look, join me or die. And lastly, and this just seems so incredibly bizarre to me, the Wakandas are this super-duper advanced society whose entire culture and economy is based on vibranium. You can't convince me, spoiler alert for anybody out there, that they never thought to look for vibranium anywhere but in their own backyard in 100 years? I'm sorry. There were some holes in this movie, even though I think it was overall pretty good. So, no, I'm surprised to hear you say that because I thought, uh, I'm glad to hear your take on it so we can have a conversation. I thought, first of all, before we get to the action, because I think I'm going to uh, debate you on the action. I thought some of the action scenes were really good. I thought there was action. It was set in the beginning. You had to deal with it. You had to wrestle with, okay, this absence. Right. And it, it kind of hovered. It did. It hovered over the movie. But I thought when they got into it, when they got into the action, I thought it was entertaining. But before I get there, I really want to talk about the performances. Like, Letitia Wright yeah. was great. Angela Bassett. Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there watching Angela Bassett. I'm thinking, damn. Like, hey, wh wh why do we have to? We're doing all kinds of spoilers. By the way, if you haven't seen the movie, turn the volume down. Just turn the volume down for the next two or three minutes. Don't leave. Right. Turn it down it's two too or three late minutes. Now. <laughs> yeah. But to kill off Angela Bassett, I'm like, man, they killed the queen? Because I, I think, I think she was no, so. No. That, that scene, Doc where she's talking about when she's got to strip the general of her power and and the general says, hey, I've given everything to Wakanda. And when she responds, she's like, look, my husband's gone. My son's gone. I don't know if my daughter's alive. Have I not given everything? Ooh, that gave me chills. Hey, I, I, thought, I thought everybody really was on their thespian game, like A+. Plus. I can't go A plus. Look, 
I thought that was a great speech by Angela Bassett slash Queen Ramonda. She even got the Angela Bassett quivering lip thing, which always gets me. But, you know, to, to, to quote... To paraphrase the rapper, there's some holes in this plot. There's some holes in this plot. There were just holes. There were just holes in the plot. There were just things that didn't make any sense. Like I said, I, I, like don't, I don't understand Tell me what. Like why what they else? didn't what know else what else did they but besides the what vibranium, else? I don't understand yeah. why they decided to keep Riri Williams after it was abundantly clear that she wasn't going to be necessary. I don't understand how the Wakandans, who were so incredibly smart, realized that when you're going to war with somebody in the water, that maybe you should be prepared for these magical water balloons that they keep throwing. I don't understand <laughs> if you're having a battle against a guy who can fly, that your entire plan is to trap him inside a spaceship and then take him to an island and then what? Kill him there and then go to war for 100 years? Drag him Just back? Dry him I hope out. he doesn't play you strategically. Just dry him out. It just, it, but but dry him out and then bring him right back. It's SpongeBob. He was just going to squeeze himself back together. Like I, <laughs> there, there, I mean, the acting was amazing. And I think that if it, if it had been about Nakia instead of Letitia Wright, I think there should have been some. It was clear that there was space for romantic chemistry between Namor and somebody. And I think they just decided they weren't going to do it there. But but there were plot holes in the movie. Like I I shouldn't have to think about those things at the end. And look. At the, I also say this, again, great emotional performances at the end when Shuri is finally burning her clothing from the funeral. All that is deep and wonderful. Crying, she had a lot yep, of white sheets. Yep. She lost her mom, her dad, and, and whatever in six years. But she wasn't mad that she didn't know she had a nephew? Right. Make no well, sense. Hey, well, well, but, but it did say, it did say Black Panther will return. Black Panther will return. So maybe yes. we get to the anger, maybe we get to the anger of Hey, it's great. I got a nephew, but hey, why didn't you say nothing? I've seen you. Hey, you didn't tell me about this. <laughs> and and I wonder how far ahead we'll we'll go in the story. So we got a you know five six year old nephew. When we return, are we going? Are we going forward mm-hmm. fifteen years? Where uh, clearly we've got things you don't, set up. You don't even where have to we've do got that. the next. We we got the next one, perhaps. But do we go from she, all she's a black do panther now being, she's not? All I'm saying is all you'd have to do is have him sucked into another dimension uh, during Quantum Mania with Kane the Conqueror. He can come back in five minutes and be 22 years old. Like that, once the sun is there, it is very easy to have another Black Panther who is from their family line. Like, that's the easiest thing in the world to do. You got alternate dimensions. I mean, Steve Rogers went to the past, came back in 10 minutes in the middle of a park feeding birds, and he had aged 35 years. You can do that in these movies now. They've they've established that time travel is possible. So I'm not worried about the future of the franchise. I just think that this movie felt like a necessary step instead of something fully made to entertain me. And again, I put it in the top 25% of MCU movies. It's not as good as the first one, but it's definitely better than Love and Thunder or any of the other movies that they've come out with this year. Stop, stop, stop. Okay, okay. I just wanted to stop you before you continue this <laughs> this, 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 this crusade. I, I didn't want you to. I'm not going to say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Okay? Um, you know, it's interesting. I, Dr. I, I Strange. Think, uh, Dr. I do Strange. Plan- that's it. It's Dr. Strange. Okay. It's better than Dr. Strange. Let's <laughs> see. Oh, man. See, you're just not right. I, I think I need to do what you've done and see it a second time because I like and I want to. I liked it. I thought it was really good. Like the the original, mm-hmm. I mean the first one, you can't I knew it wasn't going to be better. I knew I didn't even expect it to be on the same level as the first one because it's just it was such a cinematic event. It was a and a cinematic masterpiece. You're just not going to uh you're not going to replicate that. But I thought it was a good movie. Um but I need to see it again to see what you saw or see what you didn't see. Hmm. So I'll do that. But you'll meantime, see through the holes in the plot. You'll see through all okay. the holes in the plot. There were quite a few. But again, it's a good movie. <laughs> all right. Hey, and before you go, I want you. I want to introduce you or reintroduce you uh, to your close friend, Natalie. Natalie's back. Uh, Natalie's here. Uh, we're doing the comments section again today. You know, last time, last time you guys talked, uh, it was really. Uh, you know, we started talking about the light skins and dark skins and the NBA. And, you know, we really, it really became a, a really. Uh, <laughs> it was an unexpected. It was unpredictable. 
They were, it was an unpredictable. It was very, script. very much all those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello, so now, so I, but then she didn't, but I love the part she said after she, uh, she went at you a couple times. She said, you know, my mom really loves you, though. My mom loves watching you. <laughs> she loves watching you and listening to you. Uh, uh, Doc, do you have any anything to say about any... the? Uh... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go. You go. I have nothing negative that I can say about Natalie right now that is any worse than the record of her favorite team. I, this would be kicking I was just someone ask while you they're that. down. Not just down emotionally, but down in the rankings. Down out of the playoffs. So why would I be that petty? I could not be that petty under any circumstances. So, so no. I have nothing but supportive things to say uh, for, you know, somebody who might be eighth or ninth on the extension of the Mount Rushmore of basketball if they wanted to add that much space. We'd probably have to climb into the playoffs first, but, you know, we'll see how that works out. Okay. Well, I'm sure you don't want to revisit that conversation <laughs> because, first of all, Mount Rushmore and Pantheon are two different definitions, and you just somehow made it into one thing. But anyway, we'll move on from that. Um, I'm happy to see you. I'm not concerned about my Warriors to the extent that they won't be making the playoffs, okay? Like, let's be serious. Oh, so. Yeah. Um, you can be petty. I'm the queen of petty, so trust me, I don't take offense to it, doctor. <laughs> Uh, Natalie, well, did you see Black I Panther? I, I, did you I see said Wakanda? this before with Michael. I did see it. <laughs> did, did you like it? I did. I did. You know, before there were like some people saying like on Twitter, they were like, oh, it's better than, you know, Black Panther 1, the or original Black, Black Panther. I did not have that same reaction. Um, I also, people were very yeah. emotional. They were like, people were taking video. They're like, oh my God, bring the tissue. So I did. I really... It brought my tissue, and I like me and my friend were like, I don't, I don't. Why was everybody crying? I thought the tributes were nice. You know, I enjoyed the movie, but I didn't have sort of the reaction a lot of people on social were saying they were having. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. I don't know if I agree, I agree. with Dr. Jason, but um, I, I don't think it's better than the first one. So I agree with you, Mike, on that. Um, I thought no. it was entertaining, but yeah, I definitely still I would be Black Panther before Wakanda Forever. I'm I'm I I just I'm just like I need to look at this. I, I'm telling you, last thing I'll say, <laughs> I will see it again. I know that, but that cast, I'm just blown away by the cast. We just saw the picture there. I didn't mention Martin Freeman. I, I didn't I didn't I didn't mention like so many other people in the cast. Who were fantastic outside of, out of the core, and like even the so-called secondary characters, I thought were incredible. Not just in name value, but in bringing the performance. So, I'll look at it again. Good to see you, Doc. Uh, and I'm glad that you and Natalie are, you know, you guys are cool again. Everything's cool. <laughs> it's all copacetic. It's all copacetic. Yeah. Like now. I said, I told you, I don't, I don't pay attention to the NBA until after Christmas. So, so I'm going to get all my shade out now. The real season starts once Mariah Carey starts singing. So we're good. You and right. your, you are hilarious. There's some holes in this one. <laughs> I mean, you are crazy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Oh, I couldn't be more excited to see the money. I'm passionate about putting a little extra money in your pocket on the season. Look at that record 25, 18 and two. My best your money. Let's do this thing. Panthers at the Ravens. I'm going to tell you, I don't think the Panthers will win this game, but it will certainly be close. I'm going with the Panthers. They're getting 13 points. How disrespectful is that? Uh, this is going to be an entertaining game. Jets and Patriots, same thing. Uh, Jets won't win it, but I think the Patriots win by one or two. Give me the Jets uh, and, and three and a half Steelers versus Bengals. Give me the Steelers to win it outright to win this game and to sweep the Bengals uh, on the season. Vikings, Cowboys, Cowboys, Dan Quinn, you got to do your best work. I know Burt Breer said you're up for a head coaching job, but you might be at the end of this year. Uh, don't show them the Vikings Cowboys game because I don't like that matchup. Give me the Vikings over the boys. You know, I like the boys and Chiefs the Chargers. Come on. Come on.
I don't care what the line is. I'm rolling with the Chiefs. I see the Chiefs as the only great team in the AFC. Sorry, Buffalo. Only great team in the AFC. The Chiefs. My bets, your money. I'm feeling. I think that was a four and one week. Four and one. We'll check in next week. See how we did. I don't even know, Natalie. I don't know the last time we did the comment section. I've missed the comment section. So I am so looking forward to this. This is this is my this is my main course and my dessert and maybe even my little drink on the side. I'm so looking forward to the comment section. Come on out. What do you got for us? So yesterday you did a little rapid fire with me and during that period I touched on my dislike of the Phoenix Suns squad and we posted about that on social last night and I gotta tell you the people seem to really like my uh, <laughs> my little tirade. It wasn't even that bad but they thought it they found it funny. So you know you had uh, Tony Jones from The Athletic saying all the extraness that was something I apparently said I don't even realize I say these things sometimes um someone um, relying on like John Morant but he said real Chris Moore we know Nat Fluential runs up the chimney she wants all the smoke I don't know if you remember that was a John Morant quote I was like oh boy and then there was someone else he was like sounds like the Warriors and I I was prepared for people to say that because people say the Warriors are front runners so I've been having a little back and forth with that individual as well (laughs) so you got it you got to know you got to know this is coming you got to know this is coming for uh, the Warriors every and the Phoenix Suns you you're gonna have a couple of you'll probably have four or five feed items in the next two or three months where you'll say this team fill in the blank is unlikable Suns might be the Mavericks. It's gonna be the Grizzlies. You know the Grizzlies. You know the Grizzlies yes. are gonna say some stuff because they've been waiting. They've been waiting for um, the Warriors. Because the Warriors, can I tell you? The War. Well, listen. <laughs> both you, of them, the, Warriors the Suns do, and the Grizzlies, just like them both. <laughs> well, the War. You, you say the. Do the Warriors have anyone? Just let's be fair here. Do the Warriors have anyone as unlikable? I mean, do, do the Suns have anybody as unlikable as Draymond? Draymond's annoying, right? He's, he's you love him. He's, he's an acquired taste. You know, he's not everyone's. Cup yeah, of he's tea. yours. <laughs> yeah, you'd hate him if he if he didn't play for the Warriors. You'd hate him. So, so they I don't win. think the Suns have anybody they like win. that. Okay, see there it is. See that that's always the response. <laughs> always. What the else response. what else were people talking about? <laughs> All right. So, we put up a couple of polls um based on some of the conversations we had this week. So, we'll start with the one for the NBA. We talked about who the who are the early season candidates for MVP. So, we asked about Steph, Giannis, Luka, or um Tatum, and then we also asked um folks to like write in other candidates if they thought it was someone else. So people were quite offended that we had um, Stephen Curry even in the poll. They said we were casuals. <laughs> they said the team is under 500. So look, it, right. comes into that whole, it comes into that whole debate, right? Like about whether should your stats really drive things or, you know, team record and wins and how much that should weigh in. So people Whoa. are going hard on us about that. Well, I Listen, I, I'm shocked that 32% that, <laughs> that 32% like Steph. It's tied what? with Giannis. It was it was quite shocking. He's great. Um, He's a great player, but come on, you can't. You're the MVP of the league, and, you're, and your team hasn't won a game on the road. You're you're, you're six and nine. Not uh, his fault, nah, though. I'm, but I'm, I hear I'm, you. Yeah, I can't do that. I can't do that. Now Giannis makes perfect sense. Jason Tatum a little low, best record in the NBA and fifteen percent. Maybe uh, they're just not they're not keeping up with the Celtics. And, the and Donovan Mitchell. Up. Oh, you saw it. Sorry. Oh, poll is up. So we're no, yeah, okay, no, that's up, good. So people should go vote. And where can they find it? Oh, just go right to our YouTube channel. It's there with everything, so you'll see it 
right in the feed with all the other videos. You can vote on this one and the next one we're going to talk about. But you saw the comment about Donovan Mitchell, right? A, a dark horse yeah. candidate. What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. Next. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's what I think about it. That's what I think about it. Come on. Uh, okay. Come on. Okay. Same uh, reaction. Okay. Nice. okay. It, okay. Yeah. Come on. All right. So then we uh, did. It's, a, it's fine. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> so Vinny came on earlier this week and declared that Justin Jefferson is the best wide receiver in the um, NFL. So we did a poll for that and we put up Jefferson, Tyreek, Diggs, and um, Devontae. And people were, they, some people really thought we were having a very prisoner of the moment reaction to Jefferson. One catch. Sure. And, you know, so there, there was a lot of that. Um, people were very upset we didn't include Cooper Cup. And I just want to let the people know he was not a part of the poll simply because he got injured, not because we don't think he's deserving of being on this list. Um, so, yeah, a lot of engagement. You can see um, Jefferson is not leading the poll. Tyreek is. Yeah, it's, it's one of those, as I said to Vinny, it's one of those things that's not really sustainable. So it, best wide receiver in the NFL uh, you have that title. That title does not last you for a year. Like best quarterback in the league. Sorry, you know uh, Patrick Mahomes has had it for a while. And if you're the best quarterback in the league, we know we'll come back in the next season, and you're still gonna have your title. Wide receiver, not so much. I think Tyreek Hill is is a great choice. Uh, Justin Jefferson is not prisoner of the moment. The moment was great, but look at Justin Jefferson's career. Right. You know. Uh, his career backs it up. Natalie, your first comment section, certainly not your last. Thank you so much and enjoy your weekend. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Of course. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.